Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. And if you're listening to this podcast now, please rate and review us on iTunes. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and now an events page for, oh. for the live <laughs> shows featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Am I going to break you? <laughs> <laughs> Already did. Uh, <laughs> launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we'll usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, I talked to somebody who's a transplant from Tucson, Arizona. And in his first month after moving to Austin, he did over 50 open mics in a single month. At least that's what the fact check was that I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can uh, find him performing <laughs> all around town. He's open for great names like Mick Kaplan and Jen Kirkman. He's the co-host of the Dearly Departed Comedy Sellers show <laughs> that he co-hosted with Colton Dowling. And as, I've, as you have already discovered, this is no joke, our guest has one of the most unique voices in Austin comedy. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Andrew Horneman. Yay. Yay. Welcome. <laughs> you like your, you're going to break it. You're one of the illustrious few who manages to break me. You have a great voice, too. This is like Terry Gross, and I'm just like, nah. <laughs> Valerie, no. <laughs> Don't make people fall asleep. Well, that's what you're here for. <laughs> we also opened up for Natasha Legero. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because oh. uh, the other two kind of, like, uh, yeah. I love Mick, though. And, and, really? Oh, yeah. Um, Mick has been, I'm a big fan of Dave Hill. And Mick has been on Dave Hill's podcast a few oh. times. And I love his style, the wordplay. Yeah. And, like, I recently heard him on Dave's show. And he went a little bit more about, like, his English degree background. So, like, he's, he's so, yeah. He's super smart. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, he's so good, and I. What was weird about that show was nobody wanted a host. Nobody wanted to, uh, like so. It was Mick Mick Kaplan. I I was pronounced in Mike Kaplan, but oh oh maybe it is Mike. I don't know. Oh boy. Oh well, Mike Mick. He he spells Mr. it Kaplan. weird. Mr. Yeah. Kaplan. Mr. Kaplan. <laughs> Kaplan. So what happened was he was coming to two. Am I? Am I yeah, ruining? you're you're you're. Like, let's break my mics here. I'm gonna, yeah. Well, or, I mean, why don't you go stand by the door? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I want right, no, I want you to be comfortable. Okay. We'll do this. Okay, cool. We're, we're moving, we're moving yeah. the mic yeah. <laughs> to everybody, anybody who cares. Yeah. I, <laughs> okay, hello world. You're opening my... <laughs> for Mr. Kaplan. Yeah, oh, oh, well, because okay, so this was Tucson, Arizona. I think I was doing it for like two or three years at that point. Uh-huh. And uh, there was this guy, Kevin, he he had a couple of indie shows in Tucson and a couple, and I guess Kaplan or like Mike or Mick or <laughs> came to him, uh-huh. Mick, uh, came to him uh, and wanted to do a show on a Wednesday mm-hmm. and just this pop-up show at this bar called Plush, which is no longer there. Okay. Uh, 
but it's this cool little venue and and they asked if I wanted a host because nobody they wanted a huh. solid host and they were like we don't want to do this all the new comics and I just and I discovered that if you just go first you could just go first and get it out of the way yeah and not get it out of the way but like nobody wanted to go first so I like to double dip and I love to go in I loved being the first guy on comic and then like just like hang out with the other comics and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was basically I got that gig because nobody wanted oh. to do it. And it was he was fantastic. Yeah. And it was weird too because we treated it like an we treated it like a we treated the show like a comedy club. Hmm. So what was weird was I, you know, introduced him I introduced him and then when he did his jokes, he was like, Oh, back to the host. And I'm like what? Like, I'm like... <laughs> oh, you didn't know? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, like, tip your servers. I don't know, like... <laughs> this is just a small little bar, but yeah. I guess it became a comedy club. <laughs> it became a comedy show. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of like, oh my god, I feel like that's all the shows I've been doing, was shows that feel like a comedy uh-huh. club, but never really in a comedy club. <laughs> Oops. All right, uh... Andrew, we have to go back to my ice-breaking question. What? Okay. Uh, one word to describe your past. My past? Traumatizing. Oh, what boy. are we? <laughs> what are we? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not my objective to make you relive any past traumas. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Got into comedy because I can't afford a therapist. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> yeah, this is wham. <laughs> uh, are you from Tucson? Uh, I lived in, um, where did I live? Uh, uh, no, uh, in Arizona. So Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Or born in Tempe, like it's a suburb. Uh-huh, yeah. I've, I actually visited Phoenix twice last year for oh. the first time. Wow, so. why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one was for work. <laughs> One was for work. What do you do for work? Uh, this I, can't be your oh, full-time gig. No, definitely not. <laughs> no. Uh, I crunch numbers, basically, is what I do. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then the second... So it was a work-slash-vacation, and I brought my son along. And so we did a little bit of the tourist stuff. And then the second time was with, <laughs> was with my boyfriend, because he lives in L.A. And so we thought, that'll uh-huh. be a, a meeting point for yeah. us to spend a weekend. Yeah. And... Uh, that was fun because we went. To, we just basically went back to the places that I liked going to the first time with my son. So yeah, what are you doing? I don't know what you do. I I, I really like the Phoenix Art Museum. Oh it's yeah, really that's good. so good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, the last time I went there, they had an and it was like an Andy Warhol exhibit and oh. a uh, and a fashion show. Oh yeah, I yeah. know. And then I went and saw Bette Midler. It was a really gay. Oh. <laughs> Self date. I went by myself. <laughs> it would have been great if I. Yeah. No, it was fine. It was. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That was um, my art experience. Do you do you have? Well, I'm. We're going to end up jumping around. I can already tell. Yeah. Phoenix does <laughs> not. Oh, although that's not true, because one of the things that I always do when I ever go to a new city, yeah. is I research all the comedy. Clubs. Yes. And it, there are a lot of clubs. Yes. And venues. Yes. But I. I think I'm spoiled by Austin and knowing Austin so well and like yeah. which venue to go to and which not to go to. Yeah. 
not that there's any not to go to, but it's just like, I know for whatever mood I'm in, I know which venue to go to. Yeah. And there were a lot of choices, but I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. It's too many for me to choose. And so I never went to go see comedy. Oh. But by the number of venues that there were, it must have a comedy scene. There was a comedy scene. Well, okay, so that's what, so I start, so what happened was I went to school. I was born and raised in the Phoenix area, uh-huh. but then I went to college in Tucson, okay. Arizona. And then after I graduated and did not know what to do with my life, mm-hmm. I went and started doing comedy at this comedy club called Laughs. Okay. And that's when I started. Okay. So it was after I graduated college, I, uh, I was in... Oh, yeah, I guess this is where the interview started. <laughs> <laughs> How much should I divulge? <laughs> Whatever you want. I don't want this to be a one-sided conversation. What about you, Valor? <laughs> and you're like, no, this is. The, I think this, this is, is the point. Yeah. This is the. This is the. Well, can we swear? <laughs> no, yes, you can swear. Goddamn! I was like, this is the goddamn point. <laughs> no, so I graduated college, uh, got a degree that I did not like at all. Oh. Um, uh, I was gonna be a. F- I wanted to be like a film major and like a media arts major, but I didn't. I wanted to press my parents, which. Did not give a shit. Um, but what ended up happening was I ended up um, working, graduated, ended up living at the school for the deaf and blind at the, in Tucson, Arizona. Like, living there. Because I was because I was scared. I didn't know what to do with the degree in special education rehabilitation. What, uh, oh, man. So there were... Okay, so... This is a little confusing, and so, like, I kind of have to explain okay. how I got... Because who lives on campus? Yeah. <laughs> so this Freshman like, year, sure, but... No, the, no, 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 this wasn't, like, a ca- college campus. This was a high school camp. This was, this was a... No, this was... This was a residency for the school for the deaf and blind. Okay. And you were called, what, a resident... Uh, residential live-in. So this was an antiquated, like... This was an antiquated system they uh-huh. used, you know, because the school's like a hundred years old, and so like if you had a disability and the school and like the state couldn't like accommodate accommodate you, mm-hmm. you would go. They, you know, they would they would they would ship you off to the school to the school for the for the deaf and blind or like an institution. Uh-huh. And there were workers because they couldn't like there wasn't much funding, so in order to pay for the workers. You, they could pay, they could provide them room and board, and so I was basically be provided room and board to work like twenty hours a week there. Okay. Um, problem was is that I got that I got that job because I was I was going to become an interpreter for the deaf. Did not work out. If you could see, my hands are flying all over the place. So I'd confuse <laughs> the deaf people like it was insane. <laughs> like. Like the teachers met with me and were like, uh-huh. I don't think you should be interpreter. <laughs> and I'm like, I should have done media arts. And I'm crying. And also, like, I moved out of my, uh, moved, kind of got kicked out of my dad's house. My mom died when I was 18. So I was Aww. like, so I was like so confused and like, yeah. I was confused and like, it was a horrifying experience. And then going to this college, I did not like, I had some roommates, um, they all moved after college and seemed to know what they were doing. And I I wanted a practical major, which was dumb. Don't do a practical major. It's dumb. It's dumb. Don't. Like, 
I just had a whole bunch of like middle-aged women wanting to interpret for the deaf. It was exhausting. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, because it was a practical degree, but yeah. like I wasn't practical. I'm not that I wasn't that person. But uh, uh, I got into sign language because I was I had a, a speech impediment, as a gay man does, as a little <laughs> gay boy does, and I couldn't speak Spanish. And my mom was. Uh, spoke Spanish, so I was like, ah, you needed a foreign language, so I took sign language. And it was fun because it was kind of punk rock, and I got yeah. to, like, talk to people who were, you know, not hearing, and it was fun. Like, you either have, you have two kind of people who interact with, who kind of learn sign language. And one of them is, you know, because they want to be closer to God, and they're interpreting for the church, and huh. they're very, like, you know... And then the other one that's like, oh, they meet a person who is deaf or hard of hearing, and they start interpreting them to get drinks at the bar. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that was kind of my purpose. Tell that to eighth grade Valerie, who checked out a book at the library because she wanted to learn just for fun. Is that you? Were you that yes. person that wanted to sign for the church? No, <laughs> I was neither of those two categories. Uh, I mean, I didn't really have close deaf friends. Uh, I mean, I kind of do. I have one. I, I have, didn't have any. I was just curious. I have one who's technically deaf. He's like legally, he has a cochlear implant, mm. but he has no, um, but he doesn't sign. <laughs> <laughs> So, whatever, but I, uh, boy, I feel like we should transcribe, yeah, this is gonna be transcribed, we should have, like, a, we should have a lawyer transcribe this whole thing. (laughs) Be way too much than what this is costing. (laughs) The most expensive part would be the transcript. Okay, no, um, okay, so, I'm distracted, okay, so, because this gets very confusing very fast, um. So I'm lip. So I uh, I was a failed chemistry major, and I didn't have much money. Like I was on a little bit of a scholarship, mm-hmm. and I could get more money if on a scholarship if I uh, interpret. It was an interpreting major. They had a thing called. Uh, they had like this. They had they had this scholarship for every semester they paid for college. You had to work a year okay. in special education, and the only like open entry spot was being a residential live-in. So my teachers met with me and was like, hey, you shouldn't be an interpreter, but to pay off your your scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a scholarship. I don't know what the word is, yeah. but it was like certain kind of, Yeah, it was like a grant or something like that. Let's, let's call it a grant. Okay. In order yeah. to get this grant, you had, to, you had to work for, you had to work in special education. So it's like, okay. I took three semesters. I'll spend three years there. So I spent four years there. Uh, it was very bizarre. Um, I basically, I had this like root that's trailer. I lived in this trailer um, that was a classroom trailer, but it was turned into a room. <laughs> yeah, it was like worst. it was like eight hundred square foot. It looked like a classroom. It had the special education like bathroom too. So the bathroom was fine, but like. Yeah, it was. Oh, and you're it was kind of prison. No, oh, okay. I had All this right. whole room to myself, okay. but like it was not healthy. Now that I think about it, but <laughs> what is? But I. Uh, 
So I was there. I was uh, right next to the library, so watching a lot of movies um, and some reading. Um, and then I went, uh, and then there was a comedy club that wasn't too far away, mm. and I started doing that, and it got very addicting. And uh, that's how I started doing comedy. I think I was like 23, 24. Ooh, yeah. 23. It was May of 2011. I'm, I am, um, 24. Yeah. Uh, I was born in, uh, April 1987. So it was like 24. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the moment where you decided to do comedy. Did you know what about comedy and the open mic process and mm. what comedy even was? No. Oh, well, I went, so this was it, when I went to school, when I went to college, uh, I was with my godparent, I was with my, uh, my god sister, my, uh, my godparent's daughter. Okay. She, this was, okay, so this is, this is very weird, uh, we, she, uh, uh, to, in order to get to school, I needed to drive, I needed to take the bus that was like an hour away from campus. Uh, you know, it's so it was like we moved there, but it was like an hour bus ride just to get to college, just to get to college. And it was, it was kind of isolating. And in order to hang out, like it was just like you had to like, you know, like it was very hard. Like I didn't like figure, I didn't figure it out. I could get rides from some people, uh, not much of a social life. Uh, but, uh, YouTube, I became very good friends with YouTube. Uh, that was when, that was kind of the golden age of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And people, and I remember George Carlin, ah. like all the, all these like out big hour long public domain stuff was comedy. Like I think George Carlin was public domain or we could watch these full hours and I was just obsessed. Mm. I was also obsessed with Kathy Griffin, um, Margaret Cho. And so I would watch these and I was like, this is the most, this is great. I, I want it. This would be fun to do. Um, I saw Kathy Griffin live a couple times, but I think it was seeing Margaret Cho. Hmm. It was seeing Margaret Cho live with a friend at, in Tucson. And I was like, I want to do that. Uh, like I literally saw her and I was like, I want, that's it. Wow. And he was like, no, people are going <laughs> to, it was all like, people are going to make fun of you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so it took like three years after that, uh-huh. after I graduated and was like, this is all I'm going to do. Like, or not all I'm going to do, but like, I had no other prospects. It was like, uh, my, my friends were media arts majors. One was like, so like, I, I think I needed a pat, like, you know, like I thought I needed to be in a hard science. I needed to like, you know, be like a caregiver and, be an interpreter, and I was like, not. I just wanted to tell dick jokes, and I just wanted to go up and I did those things. But it, it, oh man, it, so I'm still doing. Com- I'm still doing comedy, but I didn't realize how it's a it's a long. You know, the friend who told me, you know, don't do it. Mm-hmm. He went to L.A. He was gonna. He was a producer. Now he's he left and he's doing his own thing in Rhode Island and cause he was so burnt out and now I'm like still like, you know, the long, not everybody's meant for the long haul. And I yeah. think in the past he was like, I don't 
why don't if you mm. if you have something practical why do you know oh interesting why go into that but I did because yeah. the practical did not want me <laughs> <laughs> they did not want <laughs> had you had you done any performing before doing comedy no okay. um no not at all I see. No, well, wait. Uh, when I was in high school, I did speech and debate. Okay. And then before, and then I, and then like in middle school, whatnot, I did a little like productions. Okay. Like I did. Uh, I was in Value. I was in this like little theater company in the summer called Valley Youth Theater, and fell in love with it. Mm. Uh, my my dad was okay. So my parents got divorced when I they were divorced in. I think when I was like 10, 9-ish. And I think they played like this, like, my dad made more money than my mom. And I think he, you know, and I guess he wanted us for the summer and was like, I have this youth camp, you know, to go to. And it was a theater camp and I loved it. Like, I loved it. We did it for two years and then he married my stepmom and then she was all like, we can't afford this. <laughs> and so, like, the arts were kind of, you know, like thrown away and it was, and it, and also like it was coming, I was like coming out and it was like this loud, like, I'm like, like loud kid. Like imagine me as like 13 year old, oh, like God. all this energy I'd and hate like, it. <laughs> what? I'd hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pissed her off. Like, so, <laughs> so they did not like, they did not like the arts. They did not. Oh. And like, uh, and their taste in movies are awful. <laughs> Like, you, uh, how many times I have to watch Miss Congeniality? I mean, Miss Congeniality is fine, but just like, or like, uh, like, like. Well, what were you watching that was so highbrow? Um, Quentin Tarantino. They didn't okay, like, they right. didn't like. Well, Quint- I, was, I mean, a 13-year-old watching Quentin Tarantino. Like, I can't even, I have a 13-year-old and I don't think I'd let him watch. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's so playful. The yeah. violence is, I mean, it's. It, the violence is so it, yeah. It's I, but All like, right, but like, good. Into the Woods. I loved Into the Woods. I don't know that movie. Oh, do it make, it I was a, okay. So it was a production, um, Stephen Sondheim production. Um, it's not a movie. It was a PBS special. Okay, it's a PBS special All starring right. Bernadette Peters. <laughs> you don't know who Bernadette Peters? Yeah, is? of course I do. I'm old. Wow, but this was Stephen. This is this is. This was her on Broadway. This was her. This was broad. This is okay. like. Huh. Okay. Yeah. She, All right. Well, let's, I know. Let's yeah, redirect. So the, yeah, the point of me asking that question yeah. was: so stage fright was not an issue for mm. you when you always. Oh, it, it's it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you would I, think that it's not. So yeah, no, you wouldn't. You you would think that it's not. So I'm curious uh, if you have stage fright and you've. Uh, You've gotten kind of a hard knock life up to this point, in in terms of losing your mom, the confusion of practical degree not for me, and living in this home <laughs> with the deaf and blind. I mean, this is a confusing time in a very formative part of your life, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm scared of this. I have stage fright, but I'm going to go do comedy on well, a stage. Well, you know, well, it wasn't like. It was other than Margaret Cho inspired you. Well, yeah, she did. She did. Uh, George Carlin. Also, I saw like Wanda Sykes when I was like, oh, was God. really young. Yeah, um, that was great. the first comedy special I saw. Oh. 
that I, I felt connected to uh-huh. before I felt like it was just angry old men talking about traffic. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, uh, I know. I, I mean, stage fright's weird. There's just that, like, there's just that fear going on and then you just do it. Like, I just, you know, like I talk with, uh, like, I'm very, even right now, I don't, like, I um a lot, and so instead of umming, I pause. I have sometimes awkward pauses, and so I guess it's figuring out the comfortability on stage. But, yeah, my heart races. I think that's stage fright. I don't know, but maybe there's an adrenaline. But, like, I'm, like, pumped up when I go on stage, yeah. and it's, like, the craziest thing. When I would go and give presentations, I know I would make people laugh, and uh, I would, like, my hands would be shaking after the you know, would get off of stage because mm-hmm. I loved that. Like, I loved that rush. Yeah. I loved, um, I loved making people laugh too. So it's just, I don't know. Like, but yeah, I, 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 I guess stage fright isn't the thing, but yeah. I just went, but I just went, like, I just kept on doing it. It was fear. It was fearful. But once I was on stage, it was fine. But it was that, it was that before getting on stage, it never, I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah. That before, that before you go on stage, you're just like, ah, shit, they're not going to like me. This is awful. What the uh-huh. fuck are you doing with your life? This is <laughs> this is dumb. They're not going to like this joke. You didn't prepare. Why didn't you prepare? Like, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of all, all that. So I don't know if that's stage fright. Anxiety. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah that's definitely a common, <laughs> common thread. So what what was that first first time like? I mean, did, how, did you get a response? Or did it not matter to you if you got it? Oh, no, I totally mattered. Uh, and I did watch, oh, I'd watched a lot of, uh, there was this, in Tucson, there was this place called Loft, which was an art house uh, movie theater. And they played Joan Rivers, oh. uh, an art, like a piece of work. Uh-huh. And she just had all these, like, these, like, shelves of note cards. And I was like, this is how you do work. Oh, wow. Or this is how you work. So I was, I remember my senior year, I graduated. And I was like, I don't know what to look for jobs. Instead of looking for jobs, I just wrote jokes on note cards. <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, I'm gonna be like Joan Rivers. Um, <laughs> and so I did. I did a couple of the jokes, uh-huh. and I uh, and it was fine. It was like three. I, I remember first time I went, I was kind of rambly, and then and then I the second time I remember put jokes on. And I just got that rhythm of uh-huh. like, oh, you could just, if you just write these jokes and you read them down, yeah. it was fun. And then, and then that's how, it be- so it was audience members. I've pe- I remember people responding. I remember there was a guy that came up to me and was like, just keep on doing it. Mm. Um, and there was this guy at, at laughs. His name was Gary Hood. Uh, he was the booker there. And he was all like, you got something, kid. Like, he was just oh. like, yeah, oh, but he was so abusive. Oh. Like, it was like, well, kind. he was like the alcoholic father I never had. Oh, boy. <laughs> Have you seen Whiplash? Like, that's how, like. <laughs> oh, I had an alcoholic father, so I don't even have to have a movie reference. No, but Whiplash was this guy, it was like, it was like an abusive, like, he was abusive uh, uh, jazz conductor. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know. Oh, is that the, uh, what's his name? Oh, J.K. Simmons. Yes. Yeah. I need, no, I have not watched the movie. I regret that very much. I need to 
make sure I watch well, it. Well, because I love him. The whole like thing about like art and craft is like you have a dis like there's like this whole like oh just be creative and like all your ideas matter. Yeah. And then he's like, no, they don't. Like <laughs> some ideas don't matter. <laughs> so, no, <laughs> like. Like there's a there's a there's a yeah. certain kind of discipline yeah. you have to have. This is not the right beat, and he just yeah. slaps the shit out of him. So that's how it was with him. Oh. Like, but not he didn't slap it. me. Um, yeah. but he would go and be like, "Oh, you're doing too much talking." I'm like, what? What he meant was that you're just too much on stage. Like, get to the fucking punchline. Oh, I see. I see. Get to the punchline, and so, but I mean, he was this guy who. Never, like, broke out in comedy and watched a whole bunch of other people break out to comedy. But, like, you know, like, he grew up in Throne Rivers, which was, like, that very, like, you know, set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. And I kind of liked that. I needed some – I still need some discipline. (laughs) But I love a good joke. Like, I love a good one-liner. Like, I love – you know, I love that. I love – like, and that's also, like, that is a – that's the fail-safe. You know, like an audience member, if you go into an audience and they're just like, I just want to be entertained. I, I, you know, I believe you should have a connection with the audience, Mm -hmm. but also feel safe. Here's jokes. Here's my routine. Here's like, here's it. Like here, here's some, here's some dick jokes to get like your, your, to forget about your life or whatnot. Uh Here's some little like quips or whatnot. Uh I don't know. Quips? That's not even a thing. (laughs) Quips? 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 Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, how, how long were you in Tucson doing comedy? Sorry. Uh, five years, five, four okay. years, four, since May of 2011. Okay. And I moved to Austin, uh, New Year's Eve of 2015. So basically I spent oh, wow. New Year's here 2016. And why did you make the move? Oh, that is fun. Um, <laughs> there was my f- friend, we went to LA. She was... I had this friend I met in, she was in college. I was in college. I was doing open mics and I was doing open mics and living at the school. Um, I also worked at Papa John's at the same time. Um, but I, I don't know why I just wanted to say that. Uh, but anyway, they're not sponsoring us. So it doesn't yeah. Matter. I mean, I don't even eat like, I don't even eat that. Shit. Like I don't even, I'm vegan. Well, you're and vegan. So you can't. Yeah. And I'm trying to get rid of gluten, but those oh. garlic cups, God damn it. Like if, <laughs> Cheese pizza with the garlic cups. I probably okay. Wait, we're distracted. Right, I'm yeah, distracted. Okay, <laughs> totally distracted. I need to focus. Focus. There's a th- discipline. Okay, so <laughs> where am I at? Where? Okay, so how long have I been doing? Oh no. So my friend, uh, we went to LA, and uh, you know, for like a week, and I did like ten open mics. I uh, and she was all like, "You got to do. You have something." And I'm like, "Okay." And she also paid for like. She was also, like, she paid for, like, a lot of the food. Like, oh, mm. she'd pay for food, um, which was great. We were, like, dating, but we weren't, like, I mean, we weren't doing anything. But it was kind of, like, a weird, like, yeah. Uh, she kind of grew in a kind of a wealthy family, and I would help write her papers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in college. And, like, <laughs> she'd pay for food, and I'd make her laugh. Uh, that was our relationship. <laughs> we're not talking to each other anymore, so I'm not, like... Well, because I didn't understand, like I, like you know, like I didn't under. She was like, "Come to, uh, come to Austin. You can sleep on my couch." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Okay, great." Didn't realize. And then she moved. Then she, uh, cause I, 
she kind of pushed me to go like, you know, like there's a bigger scene, get the fuck out of Tucson. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And then I go, I sleep on her couch. And then she has a girlfriend there. Um, and she's all like, you can't like just sleep on the couch. And I'm like, I thought that was part of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to move and I'm going to get out of my girlfriend's place. And, and I, I think she, you know, it was like, you got to get, you got to get a job and move on your own. And so now I'm like on my own in my apartment and I hate it. But like I, uh, um, but I was able to kind of like get into the comedy scene here. Um, but that's how, yeah, that's how I basically, she was kind of pushed me out saying you were bigger than Tucson. Go move here mm-hmm. in Austin. And then I just kind of started swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I saw you first in 2015. Oh, I no, no. Say... 16. It was like oh, beginning 16. of 2016. Okay. Like literally, okay. like literally the beginning of 2016. Okay. That makes more sense because I'm like, I know when, not like precisely when I first saw you, but I, I can think of the, like the, the period of time where I was seeing you a lot and it was at Sonote. I'd keep seeing you there, but I think I also saw you on on showcases. And I just remember thinking, "Oh my God, the energy!" Is like, <laughs> I mean, it's so different from you know, because everybody here is just like, "Hey, how's it going?" Oh yeah, you know, it's just so high energy. I feel like I have low. I- <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I thought I had low, like, I, like, because I would, I was trained to just, you just do your jokes, you hear the jokes, you just do the jokes. Yeah. I feel like in the last two years, I just now start moving on stage <laughs> and getting more physical. Like, literally, like, took, like, took off, no, took stand, I took a improv classes uh-huh. and then up, like, be comfortable moving around on stage, uh-huh. but I don't take the mic off. I don't take the mic really? off the stand. No, uh-uh. But I know that's weird because yeah. the because uh, you're like you just have high energy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I I get it. I get why people would say that. Yeah. But like, man. Well, uh, okay. So here we go. We're gonna break down the voice. I think it's your voice projects the high energy, even if your like physical body doesn't. Yeah, you go super high, and you go. That's... I mean, you don't go too low, but you go. No, I can't. No, yeah. well. <laughs> You have a lower voice that I have to butch it. Like sometimes, sometimes on sometimes on mics I try to go lower. Like I know, like I don't know. Like sometimes my voice will be sore because I'm trying to like pass. I don't know why. <laughs> we get too subconscious. Like I don't want to be too conscious about the. Yeah, I don't want to be too conscious. That's gonna be a pain in the ass too. Because I mean, what can you do about it? It's you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you get to 30 and you're just like, can't, like, you just give up on stuff. You're like, I've, st- I tried a lot of my life to try to conform and I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Still, it comes back. <laughs> what do you mean it comes back? Like the subconscious, being self-conscious oh, oh. comes back. Like it, yeah. I think everybody deals oh, with yeah, it, yeah. like on some level, but I think the fuck it factor, like, I think the older I get, the more I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah. But in my mind, I feel like an old, grumpy man. <laughs> well, yeah. And I know that that's not, like, how it's the audience. In my mind, I'm George Carlin, but, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Bill Burr. <laughs> oh, God. 
There's a voice. Mark Marin. Like, I feel inside that's me, but, like, I, but, like, I know, like, but the female comp, but a lot, but in the beginning, I connected to a lot of the female comics. But then when I got, but I think the soul, like, once I realized, like, where the comics were coming from, I connected to that kind of, like, masculine, I don't know, mm. the masculine, feminine energy are different. Huh. I connect to both. Yeah. So you you uh, you mentioned that you started taking improv classes. Yeah, that was a recent development. That's like last year. And was there any particular reason why? Oh, because I hit a wall. Hmm. Yeah, I hit a wall because this is this is a wall. Like I like you go into Austin. Ooh, this is people are going. Well, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> I don't love episode. I won't fuck it. Do it. <laughs> fuck it. Like. <laughs> I, I think I got my, Austin's so overwhelming and so, like, I I got here and I was doing 14 mics a week. I was like, and I don't know how you got the 50 in the first month. That seems right. Somebody wrote it. Really? One of the, yeah. Who wrote, who's writing about me? Who are my fans? I, (laughs) this wasn't, oh, uh. Shoot, I only have the link here. I don't have the actual name, but there was an art. Your cover picture. Oh, that article. They picked like five comics. Yeah, I forgot they, about that. God, I do my research. God damn yeah. it! I forget that w- where I'm at. I got. I forget where I'm at. Um. Yeah, I forget that I have somewhat of us. Uh, you could just research me. <laughs> like I got. This is a fun story. We don't have to go too deep into this, but my, um, I got sued. <laughs> Jeez. I got sued. I was looking for legal help. Uh, I was looking for legal help and, uh, they have free legal help here. And also lawyers that are doing like free law- lawyering or whatever yeah. they do, like free, those lawyers love it. Huh. Like they, like, it's like an open mic for lawyers. It is <laughs> great. They just want to practice law. Yeah. Oh, you can't afford this? Okay. Oh, look at that. They're just trying to fuck you. Here, you're like, ah, oh, like their energy is so uh-huh. great. But anyway, so one of the lawyers called me and was like, you know, maybe we should. There's a couple things we can do. Because I saw your stand up and it looks like you don't need this much stress in your life. <laughs> That's what a lawyer told me. So I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, but no, um, oh no, so what were we talking about? You but hit a wall. I hit a wall. Did... I did hit a wall because there was so, there was so much. There's only two comedy clubs here, um, Felve and Cap City, mm-hmm. and you had to sign up for the open mics, and it was like you could only, there's only 30 people here, and there's like connections, and I saw people that were starting here before me, and now they're like hosting at these shows, they're yeah. host, and I'm just like, like I wanted club work. Like I wanted to get into that scene. And and whereas these gatekeepers, I'm just like, shit, like I don't like, I like, I, uh, I'm not, I, you know, like I was just doing this, uh, comedy. Like I was doing my own comedy shows, comedy sellers and all the, and I was working with Colton. I don't even think that he even went through, he didn't even talk about, uh, our like, he didn't talk about like our like partnership in doing mm. these comedy shows. No. 
that it was a wonderful failure. It was a wonderful failure. We had a little bright of success. And then he went off, did his own thing, was able to travel and stuff. And I'm like, I'm broke, barely affording this expensive-ass apartment that I'm here. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not getting gigs. I'm not, like, you know, like, I'm I'm kind of getting some showcases here, but I'm getting 10, 20 bucks here and there. Like, I even was doing, like, I was even doing um, sales. I was do. I was selling like I got into weird, like weird pyramid scheme sales. Not oh. not pyramid schemes, but I was going door to door selling windows. I was doing. I was selling newspapers at the at the H E B. Like sit like Austin newspapers. Yeah, I know. It's a hard sale. I made some great. I made okay money. Life insurance. Oh my gosh. Um. Then I, Uber driving, which I currently do, which is also Uber driving, not the kind of money that people think you can get anymore. <laughs> it's an illusion. Yeah. Also, like, ugh, so we don't have to, even though I'm thankful for Uber, it's probably the most money I've ever made ever, but. They also don't sponsor this. I know. Podcast. But they're, no, they're awful people. They're, no, like, Uber's not taking care of the drivers. Uh, no. And and there was a strike, but no, but they're, because What's great is the people who drive Uber are pretty antisocial. <laughs> yes. They're pretty outcast. Yeah. <laughs> or so or too social. <laughs> but anyway, uh um no, so I so I hit a wall. Like I was like I wanted to go back to the fun of it. Like I didn't you know, I felt the desperation of doing comedy, going to the comedy clubs and you know, not getting booked and like kissing ass of you know and I was just like I needed to go back to the fun Mm. you know and I didn't know if I actively did that but now that I think about it like that was it like I want so in improv people seemed happier yeah though and it isn't like one or another thing but it you know like it was there seems and there was a scholarship that's the only reason why I was able to go on um to do improv because improv's expensive yeah yeah so expensive like 500 layers or levels of classes but also very grateful for them (laughs) i'm I'm counting my gratitude (laughs) count my gratitude for uber i'm gonna drive after after this i'm gonna drive people to the airport we're in the okay we're we're in a nice part of town so there's yeah you should because you'll probably get nice tips if you get pick up from around this area hell yes (laughs) I'm no Uber's been it's been a nice connector. It's been a nice connector, but we're in a relationship that's gonna part ways soon. Uh, but uh, okay, so so yeah, I hit that. But then after you know, I was in, I did trying to do an tried to do a uh, parody cover band called Muffin and Sons, <laughs> and I would still do stand up. Like last year, last year I would do would still do stand up. Um, you know, do mics like four times a week or so, and it would do some showcases, and so always had it. Uh-huh. And then even last year, I got my first like gig. I got my first uh, gig at a comedy club that was not here. Uh-huh. Like I got a feature. I got a feature twenty minutes in St. Louis that was amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, tw- and it was like because here I just felt like oh, you know, wasn't good enough. Like you had like you had very hungry people yeah. that you know was very competitive. And, you know, we have this, like, one competition and everybody's, like, you know, and 
they're up for Comedy Central. It, 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 they have agents there. And what sucked is that I remember one year at the competition, and the host had me read something, like a Stephen King novel, during the deliberation. During what? the de- during the del- yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. they recorded it and he played it and everybody laughed and I didn't and I didn't and I got I got alternate and I'm like son of a bitch like am I wow. like am I like ironically funny or people making fun of me or am I like not like that's this polished person yeah you know like I'm like why am-? and I'm just doing it's and very the- mixed messages yeah I'm like why you know I should have been a shoo in uh-huh. I think you know or maybe I didn't even make it that year who cares I mean I didn't. I made it to alternate the year after. It doesn't... But that was it. You just get in your fucking head, and I just wanted the fun. Yeah. You know, like, I made up all these stories, and, you know, and they're looking for their own thing, so I'm like, I need to find my own fun. I need to find my own thing, make my own happiness. Yeah. Like, because I was way too into it, way too into comedy, or way into stand-up, that I was, like, burning out. Mm. I was burning out, and I felt like, I, but at the same time, I also felt like I wasn't doing enough. Huh. You know, like, why wasn't I at the two comedy clubs just over and over again? But when I would get there, I'd get really sad and really needy, and I'm just like, oh, why? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I can be doing all this other stuff. So, like, so I tried, so I was like, why not if I did improv? Why not if I did this, you know? And then it kind of, things kind of got a little better. So would you rather have spent the time doing the improv or working more on just the traditional stand-up? Well, that was it. It, uh, Because as I was doing improv classes and I was trying to do this parody band, uh, the parody band broke up. Um, They ended up getting albums. I ended up travel. I ended up going to St. Louis and doing five, doing like all these gigs Uh, or doing like it was like a weekend so it's like but five shows and was in tasha legero and and it was dream it was great yeah it was so surreal and what was weird too was because i didn't feel like i was worthy enough to get in there um and so like and my friend who kind of hooked me up with this gig he was like you know he he was they were looking for a gay comic that's how i They were looking for a gay comic. Um, You've come to the right place. <laughs> except the opener was gorgeous, Bobby Wilcox. He was like a pretty well groomed man. Uh-huh. Uh, Natasha's like a well, yeah. she, like she's kind of, looks like a goddess. Her husband's gayer than me. <laughs> like, Moshe <laughs> Cash. Well, I'm a big fan of those two. And I'll, I felt like this, like, just like scrappy gay man, just like this, this scrappy guy, just like broke ass guy, like that was like, ugh, like so not feeling the most glamorous. And they, everybody, like she seemed glamorous. Uh-huh. The, and I'm like, fuck. But. My friend had faith in me, and I was like, okay, I'll do this. I'll go. But he's like, don't tell anybody that this is your first time featuring. Mm. I know you have the time, but don't, like. Yeah. But instantly, <laughs> Natasha me. was the first one that was like, so, uh, have you featured before? <laughs> Except, here's the thing. I went up. First time, did the, I was all on the jokes. It was very, like, it was the most polished that I think I've had uh-huh. and then and then it was fine and then the other weekend just went through and then you know it was it was fun because it was like oh like 
after the first set, it was like, oh yeah, this is your place. Like, this was like the most, I didn't get any work out, I didn't get any more work because people travel and like, it's, yeah. it's this whole other thing, but it was a nice little, it was a nice little bone that I got that yeah. kept on saying, keep on going. Cause I feel like eight years seems like a lot or nine years or whatever, but it's not like, it's not a lot. Yeah. Like people who want to do it professionally. So it's just like these little hints and I'm just like, okay. Let's just be grateful for this. And then, you know, like, what is the next step? And be more proactive. But I think I needed that little space to find my fun. Yeah. And then I got more disciplined about writing and got more excited. Because also Natasha is, like, so much a joke writer. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, she like, she's such a solid joke writer uh -huh. that I was like, I want to be, like, now I'm talking, like, very deep and serious. <laughs> very joke structure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know, that abortion joke is very well-timed. <laughs> very well. It is. But <laughs> okay, I want to get into something, and uh, please accept that I am a completely hetero female. I do not, you know, if I fumble, I apologize. Okay. So I want to ask you, because, you know, I look at our Austin comedy scene pioneers, Michael Folk, Ralphie Hardesty, and I think since the days where they were doing comedy and they were very proudly out and cultivating a gay comedy scene, mm -hmm. it shows that, that the LGBTQ community could feel comfortable performing at and having like their tribe. I think Austin has come such a long way in offering that. I wonder, is there a limit to what the Austin LGBTQ community of comics can reach here in Austin and that the only place where you could consistently feature as the, okay, we need the gay man would uh, be in LA in New York. And so there's like, is Austin really as progressive as it makes itself out to be? Oh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was, this is me like granted, like, no, I, when I first started, like, those were the only shows I was able to do. Like, I loved, mm. loved doing, um, was it Greed from Queer yeah. Mounted? Yeah. Loved it. Um, my kind of material, like, I definitely loved, I love pushing the edge. Mm. I love pushing the edge. And I think, I, like, and I definitely prescribed to George Carlin when he said, like, Comics find a line, they know where it's at, they cross it, and they make the audience happy that you did. Okay. I like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, 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 I liked to use, I, I like to use my sexuality or like my, or like, or the gay humor as a punchline and kind of do like a little more progressive jokes. And I think I've definitely had some pushback, but like, whatever, like I've definitely said some stuff that I shouldn't, have. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also said some stuff that like, that has been amazing. I've just been able to discover stuff. Like I, you know, there was a moment where I was like, I loved doing, I love still doing, um, greetings from queer mountain. And I would, they would, I was able to like rant and go off but then I realized, like, there's a, there's, there's still a line there, you know. And I would say, like, and I would try to figure out how to make a joke. Like, I, like, here's a joke. Like, I was doing, like, 
here, uh, I, I was at, it was, this happened in Tucson. This is a real story. And I said this at Queer Mountain. And this is the moment when I realized like there was a limit. And here's the limit. And I'll tell you right here. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. Uh, I, I, I went and I met this guy and he was an old, he was an old man. And he was like, he liked, he liked my comedy. He was like, he was all like, I'm a bitter old queen. He was like, I'm a, I'm a tired old queen. I'm a tired old queen. I've seen shit. And I'm like, I've survived AIDS. And I'm like, wait, you have, I'm like, wait, what? You survived AIDS? Like, you have AIDS? He's like, no, I wasn't pretty enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I said that and you could, people laughed. They did laugh Uh, like you laughed. And then other people were like, he can't do that. We're at a queer friendly show. What is he doing? Like, this sounds like a straight, like, this sounds, you know, back to the whole, like, Joan Rivers, who's just like, I wasn't, you know, like, it's like that old, like, you know, like, uh, who, um, who's like another old timey guy that would sit, like, uh, Don Rickles. Yeah. You know, like, kind of like, just that, like, that, that, like, quick, mm-hmm. or oh, even Margaret Cho would do, like, you know, like, but it's, like, it's such a harsh joke, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm in that community. Also, the guy who said it was Richard Sackton, who wrote, um, who wrote Crush, which was a book of poems about the AIDS epidemic, so anybody could say this guy, like, <laughs> like, you have a tired old queen in, in Tucson, Arizona, teaching, was a poetry professor, and he wrote, he wrote these heartbreaking poems. Oh, comedy called, with an asterisk. Called, called, called Crush, which is uh, a great read. It's also very depressing. Mm-hmm. He would, um, and it wasn't explicitly gay or, but it was very gay. Yeah. And about the AIDS epidemic without specifying it. Like, there was a line in these poems that said, what we're going to do isn't safe. Hmm. And it was so, yeah, you know, and that's depressing. Um, <laughs> you know, you you fall in love with somebody and you're like, and you're like, oh, what we're going to do is not safe and we're going to gamble. Yeah. And that gambling is going to co- could cost us our lives, but we're going to do it anyway because this is how we're formed. Like, that's like the concept of his mm-hmm. poems, which is beautiful and stuff. And, but like, also, that's a funny age joke. Yeah. <laughs> but I realized I couldn't like I'm like how do I shape that for an audience that doesn't like you know like Austin they're just like oh no we can't mm, yeah. no because it's you know if it was said by any other voice you know like but I'm just like it's me like I don't like I'm not like I did like ugh. don't I get a pass and apparently I don't like <laughs> Uh, but everybody's been supportive and I have been able to say those kind of jokes at like gay events. And, um, I didn't say that joke. I, then it, it trans it. Now the joke is <laughs> <laughs> that I broke up with this. I broke up with this guy who was super gorgeous and he is so pretty, so pretty. Like if he lived in the seventies, he would have died in the nineties <laughs> and that it's the same joke, but just a different, like, you have to do the connection to yeah. yourself. I don't know. I don't know which I like better. <laughs> it's probably not my place to say. No, it's harsh because people are like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, like, like why? I'm just like, you, 
because I, I I like the transgressive comedy. Yeah. I love the little harshness because it's like if you don't say it, then then you just if you don't acknowledge the elephant in the room, you don't acknowledge yeah. that you know you don't you don't make a comment on the risky behavior. Mm-hmm. Not risky behavior, but it's just like being human, being you know, being it was a reality. Being, it yeah, was a it reality. was. Still, we have prep now, which keeps beautiful yeah. dipshits alive. <laughs> but like, I... <laughs> which is funny. There's another title. Beautiful. Talks about keeping beautiful dipshits alive. Which no, but but yeah. but like, it's I don't know if you don't like a comment on the harshness of life, yeah. you know, and just pretend that it's fine. Then you just get this like flaccid comedy that's yeah. just like what's that whole thing about. You want to escape life by going to a comedy show. You know that philosophy. Yeah. So if you're bringing that up to an audience that's like, I just want to not think about <laughs> the bad stuff in life, then they yeah, might, you know, I, know, I don't know. I know. That maybe that's probably why I'm not, like, and that's fine. Like, that's probably why I'm not, like, booked at the, you know, I've had, you know, at the, at comedy, like yeah. at the two big comedy clubs here in Austin, yeah. or I was, I have, I did get booked a couple of times. Um, one I said no because I was ironically in San Francisco, but it was Gay Month. I forgot what month that was. <laughs> it was Gay Month. I forgot what month. July? Is it July? Wait, can I get away with saying in San Francisco every month is gay? No. Oh yeah. Like no. Band canceled no, for that. No. 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 I don't know. Um. But I'm not that out. Like I was like it was I needed to like explore and be out. Yeah. I mean I'm am out, but I'm not like, you know, without using gay as a punchline. But like I No, I yeah, it is pretty gay. But like <laughs> But I don't know what month it was, but it was fun to go to the Cascaro with my sister. But I got booked that month, you know, at one of the comic clubs mm-hmm. and I think the week before I was booked for so because I was gay, because Austin, here's the, here's the irony. I got booked. I get booked at the gay shows here in Austin mm. because I am gay. But I don't, but I think the transgressive part <laughs> is like, you know, like I'm, it's too, I'm too, I don't know if I'm too edgy. Like, mm. I don't know, but, or maybe I'm not polished enough. You know, I, I I take it loose, and I also like I like to cross the line, mm-hmm. but I think it's also making me a better comic. Yeah, I love loud bar shows. I love, I I love when an audience like, um, snaps into gear and just like, what the fuck? Did, what what just happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I love I love when that happens. Yeah, so well, that's why I wonder if like. Austin just isn't as, because here's here's my. Oh yeah, thinking. where's your personal spot? So for me? my thinking is, uh, those clubs, the gatekeepers don't want to take a risk, because they don't know if they're going to get the transgressive or the one that knows exactly where the line is and will step five, you know, keep five feet from the line. Yeah, because that's they know that their audience can only handle that. Yeah, well, but but it's also fun to discover, and you're just it, yeah. 
Yes. But it's a dance. It's a business. Do. Yes, it is a dance. And that's why I'm thinking, business, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't. the L.A. and the New York scenes, you know, they've got such a mass market. Yeah. That, and I'm not trying to get you to move. No, I <laughs> but, need to move. <laughs> but, I had $10,000 right now. <laughs> Goodbye. Actually, wait. If I had $10,000, I'd leave in May because that's when my lease runs <laughs> up. And breaking your lease is so fucking hard here. Yes. So hard. So if I had $10,000, boy, <laughs> goodbye. Like, yeah. <laughs> also, been a great breeding ground because then I was able to figure out how to tell those transgressive jokes here. Right. Like, how, like, I've literally gone to a mic and I've, like, cried on stage and was shaking and I was like, I'm not a bad person. Apparently you can't say rape on stage. But how do you make a rape joke without saying rape and the audience minds it funny? That was fun to discover. Mm. Like, that's fun. Like, that, you know, sounds like <laughs> I don't know. I think I need context okay well here's the joke <laughs> oh boy i don't and i don't mean to make you tell your jokes that's not what yeah. this podcast is what about, is but... what is this podcast about <laughs> how long have we been going? how long have we been going we've been going an hour okay so, cool you know, we'll start wrapping up oh no it's fine do whatever like this is you i don't <laughs> no, care my podcast yeah. Well, yeah like joe rogan goes for two and a half yeah, but I'm, I'm not yeah i'm not elon musk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to serve you elk at any point during this conversation. Ooh, we get high. Did you? <laughs> we start smoking. I'm just like, <laughs> you're like, give me ass. <laughs> That's not this podcast at all. Oh boy, I'm seeing, I'm seeing colors come out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I put hallucinogenics in your water. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> Apparently you can put Molly in water. Really? Yeah, That's I went to scary. a part. I went to a party, and they call it Heart Water. It's a really new agey party. Oh, God. And it was like I called it like uh, I'm so doing bits, but like, <laughs> but like I called it a. Uh, I call it like great. It was a beautiful house on the like out on Riverside, right next to the lake. Had a big ass pool. Um, three-story house looked like a mini Jeez. mansion and it was like the guy who was hosting it it felt like great gatsby if great gatsby believed in believed in mindfulness meditation Academy. <laughs> <laughs> like it and but they had but they had like molly in water bottles like this it's like a 16 ounce water bottle like and you know and, and you just sip it and uh and, you know and you start loving each other <laughs> Then, like, three hours later, I'm in my underwear, crying, talking about how how it's hard to accept love in my life. Oh, my God. (laughs) But loving... Oh, yeah, it was raining, too, so I was just, like, in my underwear in the rain, just, like, just loving the rain. Uh Maybe it's good to feel sadness. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I was doing when I wasn't up on stage. Uh, <laughs> another discovery of life. Um, all we- right. So, well, we're, we, we're going to start winding down. And mm. I feel like... Um, oh, yeah. I want to talk about what what do you see next for yourself? You, you, so you've gone through the improv. You learned a lot of good Oh, yeah. I'm still taking things. improv class. Okay, cool. So you're... I mean, hideout theater. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Very good venue. They have a scholar. They have a diversity scholarship. Um, but if you can afford, 
the $200 per, uh, every six weeks. Take that. Go do it. It's, yeah. um, I find it very therapeutic because it's, you know, it's very, I liked, it irritated me at first, mm-hmm. but then it was very delightful to not worry about a career, to just have fun. Yeah. That's the beauty and annoyance of improv. <laughs> Because people on stage can be having so much fun and they don't give a shit about the audience. <laughs> but maybe you need that. Yeah. I was so placating to an audience uh-huh. that it was fun to not care. Yeah. It was fun to go. It's a great to, lesson, too. We, yeah. Because a lot of, one of the good lessons that the comics who kind of start hitting a stride realizes, I have to have fun. Yeah, you want them to have, there's a balance. You have to see, and I don't know, like you, and I think by sheer time, you can see people that are, they figure out their own language, Mm -hmm. but they have years of experience on stage. You just want to see them shit on stage. You just want to see them like, just like George Carlin at the end, all he had to do was say like, Fuck Dr. Phil. And everybody's like, brilliant! <laughs> right? <laughs> or like uh, uh, Richard Pryor, he would just say, shut the fuck up. Like, you know. <laughs> yes. And people are like, yes! <laughs> I won't! <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, he just wants to like... Yeah. You know, yeah. that's my... I know of anything for... <laughs> Richard Pryor was really hard for me to get into, uh-huh. but that's what I remember. Uh-huh. Um, but what I... So the question is, where do I see myself? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I ooh, surrounded myself by people who are really good at having a media presence. And I, I uploaded a couple videos on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, a horny man. <laughs> okay. With an E instead of a Y. So it's A-H-O-R-N-E-M-A-N. Um, but I, uh, you know, realized that that's, you know, like, I have to be more proactive. So I don't fucking know. Like, but there's also, like, a, you know, a turn of events. Like, all my gigs that I've got, all the, have been favors and people. Like, there was a, there was this attitude that I had in the beginning. And maybe I have to slowly take this out. Was, if you get good enough, people will ask you to do shit. Now, it's more, now it's like you have to, yes, and you have to be proactive on it. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to put your, get, be seen more, do your own shit. Like, there's also the do your own shit part. Doing your own shit also costs money and, Mm -hmm. and it's time and it's a gamble. Like, you don't know. So, you wait for the gatekeepers, but you also don't want to say, fuck the gatekeepers. You know, like if somebody called me and the gatekeeper, one of the gatekeepers would say like, you know, I got, I would do a show right away, right now. Like, bam, one Mm -hmm. of the gatekeepers in Austin, but I'm not going to hold my breath. And they're fine. They're great. They're doing what they do. But if they were like, maybe we'll give Andrew a chance. I'm like, okay, cool. I'd open for Louis C.K. now. Like, I... (laughs) That's gonna be. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but I would do any. I would do any gig. Yeah. Um. I know that sounds funny. <laughs> we would have to go into there. We're gonna wrap it up. And yeah. like, Andrew would open it up for yeah. If you're on any hungry comic, yes, you would. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, there is a grain of truth. Yes, you know when you are desperate or where you're like. Bad publicity is still publicity. Well, actually, but I 
don't know. Like I, it would be interesting. I don't, I don't know. I feel like he was deemed. I, oh God, we don't have to get into the Louis yeah. C.K. debate. We don't even. We really don't have to yeah, get into it. Um, but I, I'm a. I think I, I have some integrity. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I can. Aff- but I don't. Well, I, think, I think you've said it. I think too. I can't afford it. I can't. Well, I can't. I can afford some integrity. But I'm not going to say no to. Every, I'm not going to. There's some gigs I won't say no to. Yeah. Like opportunities, I'm not gonna like, you know, lean into it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, truth is, if I did get offered to do Louis C.K., it would be traumatic. It would be a traumatic thing because then it would be like this, like, you know, it would be this weird. Oh, here's a hero of mine. Also, he did these really bad things, but also getting paid. This is a great. This would yeah. be a great opportunity, but also has this like edge. Would I do it? Yeah, prop like. You know, like, I would be conflicted with it, but also the material would be fantastic coming out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, like, I lean into it. Like, I don't, like, lean into the awkwardness, and I don't, and I think that's what I, I like about comedy. I think that's what I like about the performance stuff, is that you can, you have an opportunity to lean into it and go into the stuff that people don't want to talk about, or do the jokes that people don't want to do, or, Mm -hmm. I don't, and Chris, you know, like, whatever, I, we, boy, I don't have to get preachy about this, but I feel like I put <laughs> well, myself in a hole. <laughs> well, I think you have left us with a very valuable uh, end cap in the lean into the awkwardness. I think that's a good place for people to, you know, if that's who they are. Oh, yeah, because um, you can't escape it. Yeah. Like, you can't, yeah, you, you are the person you are, mm-hmm. and you, uh, you know, you want to do good. You, you, yeah, yeah, just do it. Like I, and I think that's, oh man, I, yeah, you just do it. And mm-hmm. as I'm like, I don't I, I lean into the awkwardness, lean into the, the genuineness. I think that's the magic of stand up, mm-hmm. is it doesn't have to be polished or even podcasts. Like this doesn't have to be a polished mess. This doesn't, <laughs> wait, this doesn't have to be like, there's, I guess there's a balance. You don't want to just have people ramble on. They want like a point and mm-hmm. hope there'll be some editing. I'm sure of this, <laughs> but Guarantee there won't, but, at the, <laughs> but I think some people want a true connection. Yeah. I think, and I think that that's the magic. Uh, I think that's why people will pay 40, 50 bucks to see a, a comedy show or a hundred dollars to see people, you know, and I think comics, the very transgressive comics now, like, you know, like who, you know, like Dave, he's like Dave Chappelle started this where it's like, you can't have your cell phone out. You have to put it into the, mm-hmm. put into a bag. And so it's, you know, like people who are really pushing the envelope. And I think people, I think there's still a craving for that kind of comedy. Yeah. And I'm definitely leaning towards that comedy because that's what I like. My soul is a four-year-old yelling poopy in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> And I used to be ashamed of that. But there's an elephant there. I was going to say, there's the elephant. Look at his butt. Look at the butt. <laughs> We're going to stop right there. Because I think that's a perfect place to stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that is a wrap on Comedy <laughs> Rant presents Andrew Horniman. Tell us where we can find you on social media and any upcoming shows. Follow me on Instagram at a Horniman. Um, and that's connected to gigs there. I have no coming up gigs, but if you want to book me. Yes. As <laughs> a desperate guy. I wish I had like something to plug in. I have videos. If you want to, if you need a, if you, I don't know. Like if you need an opening comic, I have, I'm on TaskRabbit and you can book me on TaskRabbit as, a, as an entertainer. <laughs> you literally can't, but, uh. And I forgot. I have a closing question for you, and I can't let you walk out before I ask you my closing question. Oh, what? Yes. One word to describe your future. Ooh. Go uh, up, 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 up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Andrew got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents. Andrew Horniman, I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Andrew. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. This is where I say thank you. I didn't want to interrupt your... <laughs> your, 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 your Terry Gross. <laughs> Bye.